Picture this, you're sitting down to watch a live poetry performance. The first poet takes the stage, and as they begin to read, they're accompanied by a live jazz band. If this sounds intriguing, well, you're in luck. International Jazz Poetry Month returns to Pittsburgh on May 2nd. The festival features more than 50 artists, including local jazz icons and poets from Algeria, Cuba, Sudan, and Ukraine. Tickets to watch online or in person at City of Asylum's home on the north side are free. Get yours at cityofasylum.org before they're gone. Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, the pirates are back, and so is their beloved mascot, that shaggy, round, lime-green parrot with the bright yellow beak and the backwards baseball cap. He's ubiquitous to us now, but he actually has a birthday and a backstory and a bunch of wild stories behind the men who've worn the parrot suit. We're with a guy who's chronicled it all. It's Wednesday, April 26th. I'm Megan Harris, and here's what Pittsburgh's talking about. AJ Mass, you're a writer and editor at ESPN and the author of the book, Yes, It's Hot in Here, which chronicles the history of mascots. You have experience as one yourself. You were Mr. Met for the New York Mets. Um, so as this established mascot expert, how did Pittsburgh end up with a parrot? That's a very, very good question. Uh, how did they end up with a mascot at all is, is, is the more <laughs> pressing question. Uh, there were no mascots in baseball for a very, very long time. In fact, Mr. Met technically was the first mascot. Uh, but in the 70s, San Diego was the place you have to go to. And there was a radio station out there that said, hey, you know, it's the 70s. We got disco. We got tickets to give away. Hey, you know, and radios with WKRP in Cincinnati. Radio's the thing. And they had a chicken suit. So they hired this college kid named Ted Giannoulis and said, hey, you just put on the chicken suit and hand out tickets at events and things like that. Okay. And it caught on. Ted just happened to be a naturally gifted performer and came alive in that suit. He gets popular. Cameras are always on him. And the chicken, the world famous chicken, the San Diego chicken is born. Other teams would start coming in to San Diego during the games. And the players of these teams were like, no one had ever seen anything like this. And they were like, wow, that's great. Why don't we have something like that at our place? And the Phillies were the first team on the East Coast to go, yeah, let's give this a shot. And, and so they the dreamed up the fanatic. That's the weirdest looking thing. <laughs> it is. It's it's this green fur monster, too big for his costume, too big for the stadium, just a ball of energy. But that's what happens when you hire a, a costume maker who kind of works with Jim Henson and they're into that whole fraggle oh, thing. Oh, okay. Got, yeah, so, that, yeah, that's a big through line then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It didn't really have anything to do with the team. And what's a Philly anyway? It's, it, you know, it's not a thing. It kind of just happened that he came around uh, in 77, 78. That's when the team started getting good, was making the playoffs again. In 79, Pittsburgh was like, well, <laughs> they're doing it. Why don't we do it? And so they brought... I don't know that I love that Pittsburgh got this iconic thing from Philly. That's upsetting. 
Well, I mean, it, it breeds success, breeds success, success breeds imitation. <laughs> did it breed success? <laughs> well, it absolutely did, because in 79, the Pittsburgh Pirates decided, hey, let's bring a mascot here to our team. They brought Dave Raymond, who was the original Philly fanatic, over to kind of train the new guy into how to do it. I think we are family, Sister Sledge, Willie Stargell, Kent Ticulvey, you won the yeah. World Series. So yep. clearly having a mascot works. That year. It worked that year. <laughs> yeah, that year. Well, yeah. How did folks react to the parrot when it first got here? Did they take to it the way folks like the chicken? Absolutely. I, and I think part of that is success. You're winning. You got this lucky charm. Two and two equals four in the fans' minds. Uh, you know, he's dancing on the dugouts. It's also the height of the disco era, and he's just doing disco dancing. Everyone's singing We Are Family, and, you know, he's dancing. And more importantly... The players loved him, <laughs> not because he was a mascot, because of what he was doing behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, like done well, we think of mascots as like these fun, goofy creatures. They're like good for an air horn or a photo op or maybe even a lighthearted like in arena prank. But ours took a different path. Uh, yeah. Tell us tell us about the the coke ring. <laughs> there's no nice way to say that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's there's this thing called an aptonym. I'm not sure if you know what that is. That's no. When someone that's when someone's last name is fully appropriate for the job or, or thing that they do. Uh, so like Cecil Fielder was a baseball fielder. Burt Beveridge is the guy who invented Tito's. <laughs> so Kevin Koch then, aptly Kevin named. <laughs> Koch, who was the first pirate parrot, became a courier of cocaine. Coke, yeah. Mm -hmm. Coke did Coke. Uh, a bunch of the players uh, in baseball, but mostly on, on the pirates, were using the mascot as kind of a courier to bring them their cocaine. So Dale Barra and Dave Parker and Rod Scurry, these are some of the players who would like see the mascot, hey, we need a bump for tomorrow. And he'd go to his friend Dale Schiffman, who was a freelance photographer, sometimes was at the stadium. Dale would get the drugs, give it to Kevin Coke. Kevin Coke would give it to the players. And you had this Drug ring going on behind the scenes that involved the mascot. When were these deals happening? Because, like, I mean, when you say it like that, like, I mean, I think I even saw a rumor that it was being stashed inside the parrot head. But, like, did they need it on the field? Was it happening during the game? Like, you, you can think of a million other scenarios where, like, they could make these deals that have nothing to do with baseball. Sure. Uh, you would think also that, you know, they don't need to involve the stadium, but they were... It was a different time. They actually, it was one of the, it's <laughs> it one of the rare, time. <laughs> well, but it's one of the rare instances. Well, see, when I, I was a mascot in the nineties and the players wanted nothing to do with me. Like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't part of the team as far as you were not concerned. cool. Okay. <laughs> I was not cool. You know, some of the players liked the fact I played with their kids, but you know, <laughs> other than that, I'm not going out to dinner with them. But in the seventies, it was a party era. Uh, you know, Kevin Coke became friends with the players. And so, it was much easier for them to get cocaine delivered into their dressing room from a guy who had access to their dressing room that no one would think twice about being there because he was able to do so. Uh, you know, so he would get the drugs, he would deliver it to them. I don't know if he stored it in the costume, but I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he did. Um, yeah, and and then he go, they'd all go out and party together. It it was a weird, weird thing that it wouldn't happen today. So how long did that go on, and what was the fallout? It went on for a couple of years, you know, players move around and everything. But mm -hmm. 1985 was when, like, all it the... It lasted uh, that long? That's that's when... I can't believe they were able to sustain a coke habit that long. 
Yeah. No, these guys were were addicts, some of them, uh, admittedly so. Uh, 1985, the FBI did a little sting. They took Kevin Koch in and basically the parrot sung. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a full-blown scandal. Players were suspended. But, you know, Kevin turned the state's evidence. He kind of basically got off with immunity. Dale Schiffman got a 12-year sentence for actually supplying the drugs. And the players got a year suspension and a slap on the wrist from Major League Baseball. So, you know, uh, membership does have its privileges, I suppose. (laughs) Do you like to dance? Look at beautiful art. Eat gourmet snacks, people watch. We'll mark your calendars for Friday, June 7th for one of my favorite parties in Pittsburgh. It's Mattress Factory's 25th Garden Party. The theme this year is make-believe, and it's all to celebrate and support the creatives in our community. There's going to be live music, an open bar, an art auction, and probably my favorite, the costume contest. Trust me, I will be judging yins, and so will everyone else there. Be playful, be imaginative, explore your magical realm, because this is a theme party. You want to come dressed to impress. You must be 21 and up to attend, and rest assured, every dollar raised goes directly towards supporting the museum, its art, its education, and all of its community outreach initiatives. Get your tickets now to the 25th Mattress Factory Garden Party. They are in our show notes and online at mattress.org. So Coke might be our most infamous parrot, but he's definitely not the only one to leave in disgrace. Um, Tell us about uh, your friend Desi. Oh, Desi. Yeah, Jeffrey DeCedar, who all his friends call him Desi, he became the mascot uh, in 1996 when I was Mr. Met. So we would go to things like uh, all-star games together or Mm -hmm. Billy the Marlins birthday party. So we we always used to hang out. And he was the kind of guy who had to be in control of every situation. He, you know, would always like, yeah, we're going to the strip club and everything. Um, It was kind of uncomfortable for us when we, you know, were all ready to get together. And he brought his 19-year-old girlfriend with him when he's in his 30s. But anyway, Desi would get in trouble with the Pirates organization on, on the regular. He would get too close to women sometimes, uh, you know, and it wasn't always his fault. Like, I know his story is one time he got up to this young child and, like, put the child's head in his beak, which is a thing that the parrot does, and it's funny. Um, But, you know, the kid was kicking him a lot, and he just said, don't effing kick me. And, you know, oh, the parrot cursed at me! And, like, you know, all of a sudden the parrot's in trouble. They were looking for an excuse to fire him, basically, and they didn't really have one. Until one day, he went to a used car dealership as some sort of promotion and decided to, while in costume, drive the car around the neighborhood. <laughs> I mean, different photo op opportunities in those days. But still, yeah, I can see how that's a bad look. Sure, especially when the cops pull him over for doing so because it's unsafe driving and they make him take his head off to talk to him. And again, now you have the mascot. Was who's there unmasked. footage of that? There were people who took pictures. Luckily, okay. it wasn't it wasn't full on cell phone era. Because <laughs> uh, otherwise, everyone would have that footage. But yeah, people took pictures of it with with cameras and stuff, and so that came around, and that gave them the excuse to fire him. Yeah. Well, and so I guess back around the same era, then that's when we got briefly a second mascot, a human, a buccaneer. What was the thinking there? And I guess why did it go away? Because clearly, we don't do not still have that today. 
Yeah, I think part of it was just Three River Stadium was such a huge facility, and it was just a, a nice way to get a second mascot body into into the upper deck. Work in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You don't you don't want to send the parrot up to the upper deck when he's got to be on the field later. It's a long time to get from place one to place two. Uh, they hired a guy named Tim Beggy, and very quickly after he got the job, uh, and he was not in costume. This was just a guy dressed as a pirate. Right. Uh, and uh, shortly after he got the job, he and his girlfriend decided that they were going to break into a pool, a public pool, and uh, have some uh, clandestine uh, encounters overnight. And they were caught uh, in the act, as it were. Uh, and he was fired immediately. It made all the press. Jay Leno was joking about it on The Tonight Show. And yeah, basically they said, yeah, let's just get rid of this character. It's, it's, no one really knows he's here anyway. <laughs> let's just... <laughs> Erase, 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 erase. <laughs> well, are there any pirate parrots that we can be proud of? Oh, absolutely. I don't want to make it sound like it's all doom and gloom and avoid the parrot at all costs. No, there have been some stints, some long stints, in fact, with some really good performers. Uh, Tom Mosser was the pirate parrot from uh, 88 to 96. And without incident, uh, his backup, Mike Rechtenwald, as well, did a nice job there. Uh, Tom Oster is actually an artist, uh, does some beautiful sports art uh, in, in the Pittsburgh area. It's been uh, showcased in museums and stuff. He's, he's really a talented individual, an artist and a mascot. Go figure. Also, Brett Gephardt. He was from 2001 to 2007. Again, no incidents at all. In fact, he was uh, so respected by the organization that he decided that he didn't want to do it anymore for physical reasons. And uh, the ownership allowed him to come back for one last game just so he could do one last somersault in the costume before uh, retiring. So uh, he, he did very well. He's a realtor in uh, Pennsylvania now today. He's still getting it done, just not with fans watching and cheering him on. <laughs> he still roots for the home team, as it were. Wow, I never thought about what a baseball parrot does in retirement. Uh, so there's been some good, some bad, and you said this whole mascot thing was seen as a good luck charm at first, but then people started calling it a curse later. Was there any one thing that turned people off of the parrot? I, I just think it's honestly, it's losing. It's losing. <laughs> I mean, that'll do it. <laughs> uh, you know, who are you going to blame? <laughs> the parrot? The parrot's the easy target? The, par the parrot is the easy target, especially like you said. You know, you have your first your first parrot was was a criminal, <laughs> and you know then you had the incident with Tim Beggy. Uh, you can't win with Barry Bonds. <laughs> it's just it's one of these situations where we got to change our luck somehow. Maybe it's the mascot's fault. I mean, my money is usually on ownership or the general manager, but sure, let's blame the parrot. Like that that's the thing. You know, the fans. As someone who was a mascot, when when the Mets were winning. The fans just wanted to touch me and like, you know, because that that's, <laughs> oh, yay, go high five, Mr. Met. Yay, because they can't touch the players. They can't they can't yeah. interact with the players, uh, generally speaking. But I'm in the stands and, you know, I'm walking around. The parrot is walking around the stands. It's, it feels like you're interacting with the team. Whereas, you know, from the team point of view, it's like, get off the field, man. You're not one of us. So it's, it's, yeah. that's the thing about mascots. We're kind of like uh, betwixt the two the two worlds, but never a part of either. Well, so where does the pirate parrot stand today? Um, I know at some point it got a little bit of a makeover. I think I've only really seen its modern incarnation. Um, is it more liked? I've not heard people talk about it in super negative terms. I'm curious what you think. I, I think, you know, it's kind of funny because the pirates have been very bad 
of late. Hey, now, we're not that bad right now. You know, there was a glimmer of hope a decade ago when Kutch was here, and that glimmer's back now. He's literally in uniform on the field. I think Andy McCutcheon is just such a great guy. Yeah. Um, in fact, when I wrote my book, I sent it to Andrew McCutcheon for the possibility of maybe one of the blurbs uh, on the book. And yeah. he he wrote back to me and said, look, you, you, you kind of write these bad things about the pirates, so I don't feel comfortable endorsing the book, but I love the book. So, you Aww. know, but that's the <laughs> so kind of, such a nice rejection. <laughs> yeah, but it seemed like, and, and I, I honestly felt that that was, well, he just didn't want to get in trouble with the pirates. Like, you yeah. know, but he's such a nice guy. And the fact that he's back now. Um, it and it's, feels it's, different. It feels it, Definitely feels different. Look, you know, it. it's tough. It's tough. When you're a losing team, there's two ways it can go with the mascot when you're losing a team. Either the only reason people go to the ballpark is because of the mascot, <laughs> or people forget there is a mascot. I think in, in Pittsburgh, Chase, it's just easy to try and forget that everything everything is going on. It, it, it's It's been a pretty bad stretch there, quite frankly. Um, I, I like the current team that you guys have. I don't know that you'll make the playoffs this year, but uh, there, there's promise here. Like, you know, Sawinski looks good. You know, McCutcheon and Santana are kind of leading the way in terms of, uh, you know, being a veteran presence. I'm rooting for you guys. I mean, even when you lost, you were fun to watch because you lost in interesting ways. <laughs> <laughs> AJ Mass is a writer and editor at ESPN and author of the excellent mascot compendium, Yes, It's Hot in Here. AJ, thank you so much for joining us on CityCast Pittsburgh. Thanks, Bacon. It's been a pleasure. Some more news to start your day. President Joe Biden officially announced his bid for re-election, which means gobs of events and Secret Service sweeps and traffic delays for parts of Pittsburgh over the next year and a half. If you're new here, we live in a swing state, and Biden kicked off his 2020 campaign at the Teamsters Hall here in Lawrenceville. I was in the room that day. It was small and celebratory and full of union support. I'm a nerd about this stuff, obviously, but I'm really curious to see how Western Pennsylvania receives him in in the next several months. Pittsburgh Regional Transit is participating in a national study. They want to see how our transit system lines up against other cities. You can fill out a survey through this Sunday for a chance to win a free 31-day pass. And speaking of getting around, the city is investing more than $18 million to pave 32 miles of city streets this year. Some will even get ADA curb cuts and ramp upgrades. Y'all, it is about time. You can get links to that survey and the city's paving schedule through the links in our show notes and in our Hey Pittsburgh newsletter. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. That parrot is one thing, but Pittsburgh has a bunch of ridiculous mascots, and we want to know which one is your favorite. Please get creative with these, and we know there's like Steely McBeam, sure. But what about Oakley, the tree Pittsburgh squirrel, or Scotty, Carnegie Mellon University's very athletic-looking Scotty dog mascot? I want to hear what you like um, for organizations big and small. You can email us at pittsburgh at citycast.fm or send us a text to 412-212-8893. We'd also love to hear your voice if you're into that. You can send over a voice memo or voicemail. We promise no one's going to pick up the phone. That number again is 412-212-8893. All right, we'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk to you soon. Baseball, the extra padding really does help. It gives a little extra buffer <laughs> because you're, you're really you immersed in the crowd. 
you, oh, you're immersed in the crowd. You need a little space. You need a little okay. something to, to extract yourself some situations. 